everyone, welcome to this episode of Winning with Beckwith. Today we have the legendary Eric Newman, who is the CEO of Rock Solid, and he's a best-selling author, and he dropped so much knowledge during this episode. So make sure you have your pen and paper handy to take some notes, and definitely subscribe to the channel, and make sure that you give us a five-star review, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome everyone to this episode of Winning with Beckwith. Today I am honored to have one of my best friends, we can say that on camera, that's okay. Yes. Um, here on the show, uh, this is the CEO and founder of Rock Solid Foundation and, very important, best-selling author of What Hope Looks Like. Uh, just so proud of you as one of your great friends. Hope you consider me a good friend. I do, All I right. do. It's public <laughs> now, so it's gotta be real. So Yeah, so we're gonna talk a little bit about the book today. I'm so excited to have Eric on. and. Uh, Rock Solid. So Rock Solid is a, um, actually, why don't you tell us about Rock Solid? So <laughs> Rock Solid Foundation is a nonprofit. We build hope for kids fighting cancer. We've been doing that. Uh, we actually celebrate 13 years uh, this December. And the reason pediatric cancer, the reason that we build hope uh, is because I'm a childhood cancer survivor. And Rock Solid really focuses on uh, providing play to kids fighting cancer. And then we also provide ready bags to hospitals all over the United States. Yeah, such a powerful foundation and just love what you guys have done. And so from that, you decided to write a book. I did, and yes. What Hope Looks Like is a best-selling um, book in several categories on Amazon. Um, and really, the book itself kind of maps out how Rock Solid started um, and kind of lays out really how to start a nonprofit. And we'll get into that later. But uh, what led you to write What Hope Looks Like? What led me to write What Hope Looks Like is that when I first started um, Rock Solid, I just failed miserably in the for-profit world. And so then I went to Google because the only fundraising <laughs> nonprofit experience that I ever had, I like to tell people that Google was a founder of Rock Solid, but they never gave us any money. So I just Googled and everything that I Googled, I couldn't, I, it was complicated, it was complex. Everybody said the only millionaires start nonprofit. There was no framework for people to take a, a pain in their life to be able to put it towards some sort of purpose. Yeah. And so with that, the reason that I wrote the book, it took me about three to four years to be able to launch the organization full scale um, because I was doing so much research. So what if we could take those three to four years off the table and give someone the framework that could get to loving and serving the community that they're called to love and serve yeah. faster than four years? That's awesome. And so we're going to talk a lot about the book and really, uh, even though it's about um, a nonprofit, it really does apply to the business world so good. There's so many great ideas, great concepts in there that really apply to all types of leadership, whether you're an entrepreneur, uh, new business owner, um, CEO of a company. And we're going to talk a lot about that. Um, so I, I really love the book because it really um, does apply so much to our business world. And so you started out in the business world. You had just mentioned that it didn't go right. too well for you. Um, <laughs> See what happened was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so um, what were kind of some of the, the things that didn't go well that helped you when you were launching Rock Solid? Some of the, the key points that I think that helped me out, um, really that went terribly wrong in the for-profit world, is that I cared more about the money than I did the people. Um, my ambitions in life really during the four, like during the construction time frame is I wanted to be the best custom home builder and I wanted to have 25 houses, like the best trucks, the largest boats, which there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, but I cared more about the money than I did with the people. 
And so as I was reflecting on really what the difference were, um, when I started diving into the nonprofit world, really nonprofit world is about people. So then I did the correlation. I'm like, well, business, for-profit or nonprofit, is about people. Yeah. And if you get the people part wrong, you'll run out of money. But if you get the people part right, people will want to work for you. People will want to join your mission. And I think if it wasn't for the people, then it would be easy. People are the hard part, yeah. but people are the important part. And they're, they're what eternally matter. People are what matter. And I think that's the biggest reflection is that I cared more about the money than I did the people. And I just flipped the coin for the nonprofit organization and it's been paying off ever since. Yeah, so I think that that's key if we could just kind of take a minute just to visit that. So because I think that's so important, not just in, in the nonprofit world, like obviously the people are important. Right. But, um, you know, caring more about money than your people, um, you would think that money is more important. Like the P&L is the bottom line, right? right. That's the most important thing. Um, but with what you've seen over the years, it's more about the people. So take care of your people is just a great business concept that you can apply and the money will take care of itself. Correct. And I, I like to say like, if you focus on the one, what you wish you could do for the many, you'll never lose the many, right? Yes. So it's the fact of focusing on the many, focusing on the dollar amounts, you tend to lose focus. Um, and every, and we get it from church, like every number matters, right? Yeah. But each person matters because each person, every number has a name. And I think that's extremely important with any type of business that you're in. Um, if you have, if you're leading something or someone, there's people associated with, if we focus on them, then, then the money will continue, will, will be there. It's, I've gotten it backwards still, even in nonprofit, I still don't have it all figured out yeah. because no money, no mission. And that's extremely important in any business, right? Um, but I think if you can really focus on the people, the money will come. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, such a good point. And so, um, you know, the book here, like I said earlier, this is just, it's a great blueprint uh, for the nonprofit world, but we're going to pull out some ideas and some of the lessons learned uh, out of the book um, that really applies to the business world. It doesn't matter what type of business and if you're, you're a loan officer, real estate agent, uh, you're a doctor, you want to start some uh, company that nobody's heard of, right. right? There's just so many good ideas in here. So if you haven't read this book, all right, here's the book plug. Yes, please read it. <laughs> <laughs> it is an amazing book, even if you're not in the nonprofit world. Um, so well, I, I think took, one, one thing real quick, one thing about this is Rock Solid Foundation, yes, being a nonprofit, uh, but we run it like a Fortune 500 company. Yeah. And the difference is between nonprofits should run like a business. Okay. Businesses run like businesses. Yep. The difference is shareholders. For me, um, the shareholders of Rock Solid Foundation, the more money that Rock Solid, the more creative that Rock Solid can get, the more that I can pay for the shareholders, yeah. just like any business. But yep. the difference is my shareholders are kids fighting cancer. And that's something, that's who I'm responsible to. So even when we create the budget and forecasting, I put kids' photos all around me mm -hmm. because the reality is they're the shareholders. But Rock Solid Foundation, we run like a Fortune 500 company, which we should because my shareholders are that important. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree with you because I, I believe even in the nonprofit world, you're gonna be, and, and the goal of Rock Solid, and I don't wanna speak to it wrong, but is to reach 16,000 right. pediatric um, cancer patients, and that's a huge goal. Right. So in order to do that, you have to run it like a business, which I, which I think is great.
And so we're going to talk about, I pulled out some things I wanted to talk about in your book. Good, um, that means you read it. <laughs> I did read it. <laughs> so uh, the first thing that, that you mentioned in there, and it actually started on your, your Costa Rica trip when you kind of had the idea of starting Rock Solid. Um, but you talk about journaling. How important has that been as you created, and even today as, as you're running Rock Solid and, and a big part of that? So journaling, I'm a huge believer, once you name it, once you write it down, it's harder to kill. Yeah. I do, like the thoughts inside, and you know it too, just with the day-to-day -day lives yeah. of trying to run a business, to raising a family, just to everyday life, a lot of thoughts going on in your head. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have gone to sleep thinking about something and woke up thinking about something, and I think there's a nugget there if you just write it down, because the first step is to write it down, then once you write it down, then once you speak it out loud, it becomes into existence. And I truly believe that. And I was in Costa Rica. Um, I wrote down a simple word, hope. Had no idea what it meant. Um, but when I came back, I told someone that I'd written down the word hope. And then from there, they asked me the question, well, what does that mean? And I think journaling is one of the most impactful things. People ask me, they're like, your daily regimen. I get asked that a lot. But writing things down, journaling, um, you'll never catch me without a journal. Um, I do it every single day, and that's the secret sauce, really. Um, I have a lot of, I'm an entrepreneur. I like to fix things, I like to do things, I like to disrupt things. Um, so I write a lot of stuff down, um, because A, you don't forget it. But yeah. journaling, I probably have, um, from this book, I had 74 journals that I had collected <laughs> from a starting rock solid to when I decided to write the book. So what I did is I went back, reflected on the on the journals, yeah. circled and red highlighted some of the stuff, extracted that, some of the main nuggets, then I put that into a Word doc or Google doc, and then I created an outline. So the journaling is, and it's something, this is, this is one of the main reasons that I continue to journal, is that I'm leaving these to my kids. So like my kids know me as dad, right? Yeah. But then after I'm long gone, they're gonna know me as dad, they're gonna know me as a leader, they're gonna know me as a husband, and a lot of my inner thoughts and my inner prayers, and not my deepest, darkest secrets, because I'm <laughs> writing from the lens of my kids reading it 30 years from now. Right. <clears throat> but the fact of the matter is, they're gonna know exactly who their daddy is, That's and who awesome. their daddy was. And I think journaling is the key ingredient to any successful leader. Yeah, and I, there were so many good things there. I, you know, I love the part about how Eric has his priorities straight with his, with his marriage. Um, obviously, you put God first in your life, and, and we know that. Um, and then you got your marriage and your family, right? And then rock solid. But, but the journaling piece, I think, is so important as a business owner because we have so many ideas and things coming at us all right. day. Um, to find that time, and we didn't really talk about finding the time to journal, but you got to create space in your life where you can write some stuff down, get the stuff out of your brain that's constantly coming at you. So when you are with your family, and I know this helps me a lot, I am able to focus on them and be that's intentional good. versus constantly worried about whether I remember to do something or write a good idea down. So instead I put it in the journal when I think about it or somewhere in my phone if I don't have my journal on me. Uh, Eric's a lot better about carrying his journal. It's always... I don't have it right now. I feel I'm like, man, I really wish I had my journal. It's probably in his car. It I is. It <laughs> is. But um, it's such a good way to, to release that information that's on your brain. And then you can refer back to it. You don't have to worry about whether you 
remembered it or not. Right. You can just go back to it and look at your journal because you know it's there. Well, the, the other key ingredient too is that your brain only has X amount of capacity. Yeah. So like I write down a, a thousand ideas a day, 999 of them are horrible, right? Now <laughs> yeah. I think they're amazing, Of course, yeah. but I, I can exit that stuff from my, from my brain and then it allows me the capacity to be fully present in a business meeting, to be fully present with my family, to be fully present with my kids. And if not, uh, my brain is an amazing, dangerous place. It's a creative place, um, but definitely extracting that information, but it frees up space and there's a lot of great ideas that people have in their brain that they have never written down that could change the life of one human being that will then change the life of millions. Yeah, and another key Eric brought up right at the beginning of the journaling here is when you write it down, it makes it real. Right. And when you make it real as an entrepreneur or a business owner, it really does um, f almost force you to do it. Correct. You've written it down, you've said it out loud, and then you start telling your friends about it and your colleagues, and then all of a sudden you're, you're executing it. So it's almost like an accountability. There's an accountability there. Even just with you, like navigating, I knew that you wanted to start a podcast, right? Yeah. So once you wrote it down, we talked about it, and then it's just now, I'm like, hey, when are you going to start the podcast? When are you going to do this? There's something about it. Once you write it down, you tell someone, then accountability comes in. Yeah, so good. So good. So with the journaling, you talk a lot about brain dumps, which it's is a technical very, term. <laughs> you got fancy. it right. I'm very happy you got the brain dump technical term right. So talk a little bit about the brain dumps, which I know you touched on a little bit with the journaling, but specifically, what does that mean for you? So for brain dumping, I try to do this. Um, I do it anytime that I'm feeling frustrated. Like there's trigger points with leadership. It's above the line or below the line. Um, if I'm feeling below the line, and what I mean by that, if I'm like having negative, negative mindset, I ask myself, I stop, I'm like, all right, why is it? And so from that question, what I do is I, I look to solve it. So then I dump everything out that's in my brain, even if I want an orange, right? I'm like, oh, I want an orange. I write that down, right? Because actually consuming an orange is in my control, right? Right. But most of the stuff that tends to keep me preoccupied, if you do the brain dump, you write it all down, then you prioritize one, twos, and threes. Yeah. Ones being the only thing that you're in control of. Two being what someone else is in control of, or three is something that I need to let go or delegate out. And so I do a brain dump anywhere from sometimes there's 34 things on there to five things. So getting it all out of my head, writing it all down, prioritizing it one, two, and three. And then what I do is as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you want to gain traction every day. You just want to make a little bit more. It's like a run play, right? Yeah. You just Let's make three yards today. But then what you do is after you get all of these thoughts, all of these struggles, all these emotions out, focus on the ones. And really there's, at the end of it, there's like three to four number ones, and the ones are what you're in control over. The two, the number twos are the ones that you gotta just let it go, yeah. or it can wait till tomorrow. And I think that that's something that's helped me. And even in that brain dump, some of the major stuff, I take it on a separate page, and then I draw a circle around the actual problem, and I write on the top of it the best case scenario, and on the bottom of it, the worst case scenario. And somewhere along that is the solution to what's really, that's, that I'm struggling with, that will free up brain capacity for me to be able to move on and solve the problem. Because that's, again, that's what entrepreneurs solve problems. Yeah. Business owners solve problems, right? Your business, you allow people to have the most smoothest transaction to buy a home, yeah. right? You're solving a problem, that's what we do. And I think the brain dump helps me stay accountable to that. Yeah, that, that's so practical and, and really as you, um, the listener, and when you guys hear that, I mean, definitely take notes because, um, I mean, that was high level. 
That was good. And it started out as such a technical term with the brain dump. But I, th but I think it has <laughs> to be simple because our lives are so, yeah, it's so it fast is. paced as business owners and leaders and entrepreneurs. It's got to be simple. And that's one of, that's one of the values of Rock Solid is respect simplicity. Yeah. If it's not simple, people aren't going to remember it. And I know it's a technical term, brain dump. Yeah. But there's a lot of nuggets there. It's it's so good. It's so good. So let's let's transition a little bit. I think uh, when I was reading the book, um, there were so many good things in there. And so one of the things that really caught my eye was the elevator pitch. Yes. And so uh, as a as a person that may be in, in business or leadership of anything, when, when people ask you what you do, your response to that is so important. Um, and Eric talks a lot about that elevator pitch um, and some of the keys to that. But it doesn't matter what kind of business you're in. Uh, you have to have an elevator pitch that, that separates you from your competition, right. um, that distinguishes what you do, even if it's something that tons of people do. So you could be a loan officer, real estate agent, uh, you could be um, you know, a contractor, landscaper, all that stuff. You, you have to have an elevator pitch. So as a landscaper, uh, elevator pitch isn't just, hey, I cut lawns. I mean, no, and maybe like, that's a power statement, but no. I, be I beautify <laughs> people's homes or something like that. Right. Just adding those little nuggets of like descriptive words makes a big difference. Too. It does. It does. So Beautify um, I may have just made that up. So you can tweet that. <laughs> like, I don't know if that's a real word or not. I think it is. That's great. Yeah. We'll go with it. We just spoke it into existence. That's it. So um, tell us about how you realized that you needed an elevator pitch oh, and why, why it's important. So early on um, in Rock Solid, I believe that beer, pizza, and t-shirts can change the world, right? <laughs> and so that was our philosophy, that's what we did. Um, but we got into an elevator, literally, um, it was build six. We got into an elevator, we in Richmond, and we had had a couple beers, and we're on the elevator, and this old couple, I had a t-shirt, I am Rock Solid, right? Mm -hmm. And this old couple gets in the elevator with us and they're like, oh, what is, I am rock solid. I'm like, oh crap. Yeah. <laughs> like, and I, by the time that I even got finished describing what rock solid was even about, they were off the elevator and gone. And my buddy, as the elevator shut the door, he's like, you really screwed that one up. He's like, <laughs> he's like I don't even know what rock solid is. So it, I learned that from failure, but the reality is you only have a few seconds. Yeah to make an impact with someone. So especially I use it as, can it be an elevator pitch or as you fly? And flying today is a lot different, but people are so like masked up, AirPods in. Yeah. But before the pandemic, you would sit down on the airplane and people would ask, what is it that you do? Yeah. And you only have about 30 seconds before, those air, before my AirPods go in to catch my attention. And people ask me what I do. And I, literally I, I build play sets for kids fighting cancer. And that, that gets them yeah. to ask another question. So if you're like, well, I, I sell loans or I, I yeah. do loans for people in their homes, well, I'm like putting them in, right? <laughs> what's, that, what's that value proposition? What is the thing that make that power statement that makes you stand out? Because then they're like, oh, how do you do that? Yeah. I'm like, well, I'm glad you asked. I mm. do that. Or they're like, well, why do you do that? I'm a childhood cancer survivor. They're like, so it, it continues the conversation and it just makes people want more. So I think the elevator pitches should be designed to allow people to know what you do yeah. and for them wanting more. Yeah, so the elevator pitch that Eric talks a lot about in the book is is usually about a minute long. Right. And um, it's really just being able to say what you do um, 
and get it out in a minute, basically. Right. But obviously, it should be short. You talk about that. Easy to say and, and memorable. Um, you said something in here. Uh, it's better to be clear than clever. Yes, I'm very <laughs> good at being clever, and it confu clever <laughs> confuses people a lot. Yeah. Like, but it is being like clear. Beautify, like beautify. Beautify. <laughs> it's great. People are now Googling what beautify is, and it's, it, we should buy that domain name. I but it's still a fact. But I think just being clear over clever is extremely yeah. important. Um, I'm a visionary. It's taken me a long time to be able to say that out loud. I'm yeah. a dreamer. Yeah, I are. see things as not as they are, but what they can be. Yeah. And sometimes that makes me um, be extremely clever, yeah. so clever that it confuses people. Yeah. And so you just got to be, I would rather, being in business, be clear over clever any day of the week. Yeah, because you want to get that message across. You right. talk about practicing it and not just in the mirror. I, I think you should practice it in the mirror um, just to get it out loud. But also to your friends, to your family, right. to people you know. And you mentioned um, being willing to receive feedback. That's hard, especially <laughs> with passion, right? Yeah. So you're passionate. Feedback is extremely hard. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't think that you should receive feedback from everyone. Yeah. I think the people that you seek at the very beginning of this, you should allow them the authority, allow them the right to speak into your life, not sure. random people. Like So for example, you, Michael, people that are leaders that I know generally care about me, my family, and my business, those are the people that you need to try to seek the opinion and the advice from. Now, you can go up to, I've done it at Starbucks too before. Um, which is very random, very nerve-wracking. You tested it out on the barista? I did. Which, if they can remember, like, a tall latte skinny with extra cinnamon, then maybe they can remember. Yeah. Which, is that your drink? That's not mine. No, I just I made that one up. No. So, I just um, drink black coffee. <laughs> Pour over. But I, I think that practicing it, saying it out loud, stumbling through your, roar, stumbling through your words, yeah. recording it. The other part about it is, too, you're your biggest critic. Yeah. Record it and then watch it. Yeah. Record it and then listen to it with your eyes closed. Um, it just helps you tremendously work through. But I think just making sure that your words are clear, over clever, and it's not confusing. That people can get the gist of what you're trying to get across in less than a minute is extremely important. Yeah, I think that's great. I, I hope everybody gets this. Like, I don't care what kind of business you're in. It really does matter. It really does matter how you do your elevator pitch. And just being able to, an elevator pitch sometimes can sound kind of salesy, but it's really just knowing what you do and being able to communicate right. that in a short period of time to get people to ask you, hey, well, I want to know more about that. I've sat through presentations for an hour, yeah. and I still don't know what that person does. Yeah, me too. And that's the part, <laughs> that's my biggest nightmare because it's not, I have to be clear, I have to have this elevator pitch down, not for Eric Newman, yeah. not for Rock Solid Foundation, for kids fighting cancer. Boom. That's why so, I have to be clear. So for you in business or anything, you have to be clear knowing who your client is, right? So Because we started this podcast, it's about the people. It's about the people that work for you. It's about the people that you're loving and serving. So you're not trying to be clear for your sake. You're being clear so you can continue to help love and serve the people that you're supposed to be loving and serving for profit or nonprofit. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. And you talked um, with the elevator pitch once you kind of master that, you talked about a power statement, which I love how you said you got to follow the original Twitter principle, which was 140 characters and less, if you don't know what that was. And Which now I think they've changed that. So. Yeah, I think so too. So it was the original. It was the original. The original, principle. right. Uh, but, so that one's a little bit shorter. It's not necessarily an elevator pitch. It may just be, uh, you may just have like maybe 10 seconds to tell somebody what you do. Right. Um, and 
What what's rock solid's elevator pitch? And I mean, we, not elevator pitch. Power. We have. I mean, play defeats cancer. Play defeats cancer. So one. So focus on the people. The money will come. Yeah. The best donation I ever had was eighty three cent. All of these are just getting people to ask and want more. Build hope, no matter what, no matter where. Yeah. Um, but I think again, treat everyone like a million dollar donor. Like these are power statements. So they're based off of the values, and then from the values, and they're based off of the elevator pitch. But those power statements now. What helps you as a leader, as a leader's job, is to replicate yourself. So then not everyone can tell the story of Rock Solid like I can, but everyone can throw in power statements of focus on the people, the money will come. When they're sitting in different meetings representing you, you give them little tiny nuggets that then they can represent you, the organization, the values, and your mission. Now you're deploying people, now you're deploying leaders that can speak on your behalf to further your mission, to further your business. Power statements are probably one of the best things that we've implemented. Um, I do tests of power statements in our all team meetings. Like if you write down five of our power statements without looking at anything, you get a $25 gift card because they're that important because it's based off of the mission, it's based off of the values, it's based off of your elevator pitch. Yeah, and I think like the in the business world, you never know who your client is. They could be sitting next to you on a flight, they could be sitting uh, next to you at a restaurant. Your next huge client, and, and in Eric's world, he's he has donors and, and people that are giving. But in the business world, in our world, uh, if you're a landscaper, that could be you know a million dollar a year commercial client right. that you don't know, and they ask you, hey, what do you do? You got to be ready to answer that question and, you and answer stand it. out. Yeah. You want to stand out too. Yeah, because there's a ton of landscapers out there, right? So what separates you in that power statement? And so just being able to deliver that quickly, I think, is key. Um, so many good things at the book Beer, pizza, that. and t-shirt can change the world. Like, what? But it's the reality, though. Yeah. Like it's- so the goal of the, of the elevator pitch and the power statement, you just want people to ask you for more information. They want more. Then, Leave them wanting more. Yeah, exactly. So um, one of the, 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 I mean, in my opinion, the best part about this book when it comes to Um, business and applying it to the business world and this is actually something I've heard you say uh, over the years when we have conversations about rock solid and and other conversations and this concept that you put in here of marrying your mission and not your model Um, just if you want to just touch on that briefly from a high level and then we'll get into some of the details yeah so marry your mission not the model Um, I think that the the model has to change yeah. And we all live that in 2020. Um, we couldn't build play sets like we used to. You couldn't yeah. do loans the way that you used to. So that's the, the way that things are done. That's the model. But the mission is the why, right? Simon Sinek, start with why. Yeah. So for us, play defeating cancer, that's the mission. But the model is that we sell them as corporate team building exercises. Well, in the pandemic, we couldn't do it. And I think marrying the mission, not the model, if you haven't listened to anything else in this podcast, um, this is the most important thing because things have to change or they die. That's so good. And uh, I'm going to reference, this is directly out of page 185, just to be clear, if you're reading the book. (laughs) That's how good these notes are. Um, You said marrying your mission, not your model, means you stay dedicated to the reason for your existence and are willing to change the programs that are keeping you from accomplishing it even if the programs appear to be working short term. And so I was thinking about that when I read that. So what does that look like in the business world? And so um, basically my thought is your mission and goals stay the same, 
um, but the way you do it could change and honestly probably should change um, as your business grows, changes, and evolves. Um, I just see so many people in the business world, and you probably do in your world too, that are just afraid to change. And sometimes it doesn't make everybody happy, yeah. and it's hard, and it's scary, um, but it's often necessary. And the example you gave in the book, when you had one type of project um, that you were doing, um, and you had to stop doing that, and you got some blowback. But tell us about that specifically. Like, what were you, what were you guys doing, and then what were your thoughts behind why you had to change that? Yeah, that. So this one is this one. Marry the mission, not the model, is a true test to like. Uh, you lean on your values. You lean on real the reason for being existent. And just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Yeah, that's good. And so that's the fact of as you're navigating, as your organization, an organization, a business, a nonprofit, it's evolving. It's, it is a living, breathing thing that has to be that way. Because why? Because the people that you're serving, is a live, they're a living, breathing thing. And so rock solid early on, we knew that play sets was our niche, right? Kids fighting cancer were our niche. We got really good at building play sets. And then another idea came, which that's not a bad thing. Ideas are a great thing. Um, but we were doing room makeovers and we couldn't be excellent at room makeovers. Every single one was different. Yeah. Every single one, the budget, the numbers as you're running a business, again, the numbers matter. Um, we just couldn't get a grasp on it. We were too small of an organization to have that many programs. The ready bags, um, the, one, the bags that we give to the hospitals, they were struggling to even stay alive. Mm. Um, the play sets were doing good, but I had two programs that were teeter-tottering um, and they were both C quality and I wasn't okay with that. And so I, basically the, you were spread too thin, trying spread to do too way many too two thin. things, as and, a, as a, right. or too many things as an organization, which I'm going to pause yes. you there because I think this happens so many times in the business world is we get good at one thing and that things are just going so well, we just start adding things to the mix. Right. And not that there's anything wrong with that, but... The key is recognize what your mission is, what your goals are as a business owner, and get really good at that, right? Um, and so keep going with your story, sorry. Well, no, and I, I agree, like the, yeah. the world is full of a lot of mediocre businesses. Yeah. I never, we never started this to be mediocre for kids fighting cancer. And excellence is not a crime. And I will be relentless, not reckless, loving and serving kids fighting cancer. Yeah. So as we're navigating all of this, hold on. Excellence is not a crime. Okay, Tom, no. Tom you got that. <laughs> but but it's not. But it's the why. Do you, so again, yeah. excellent can be a, a crime, and I struggle with this. Like, do we want it to be excellent because of me, because of my pride? Yeah. Because that is wrong. But excellence isn't a crime when you're pr trying to provide excellent to your customers. Which for our customers. It's kids fighting cancer, our volunteers, our donors, and yeah. we just added our staff and we treat our staff like a customer now. Yeah. So, but moving on through the story, um, I realized that both of the programs were on life support. And I mean, there's a lot of other stuff that I'm not gonna get into with the room makeovers, but from the outside world's perspective, the room makeovers were working. And because we're good, that's what organizations do. Even if the, you keep the chaos in the kitchen as an organization, yeah. right? Rich Carlton, all these five-star restaurants, outward facing, they're beautiful. Yeah. But if you go into that kitchen, it's crazy, right? You keep the chaos in the kitchen. And I, I had been thinking about it, I've been praying about it for a while. 
and I had to choose. And I went to go speak at a conference in New Orleans. I said it right. I said it on the plane, New Orleans. And the guy was like, <laughs> if you get off the plane calling it that, you will not come back. Um, but I went to Cafe Du Monde. Yeah. And I sat down. I got there early before the conference. And I went. There was no one in there. As I crossed the street, I saw a sign that said, we have beignets too. I didn't know what that meant. So I go there. No one's there. I'm sitting there. And I asked the lady, I said, can I have the menu? She's like, she pointed to the napkin holder. They had one food option and one drink option. And I looked, I was like, all right, I'll take that. And then she was like, cash only. So I'm like, man, they got really specific. Yeah. But I sat there and I ate that beignet and it was the best <laughs> beignet donut that I'd ever tasted wow. in my life. And that cup of coffee was the best cup of coffee. Not because of, because my options, I wanted like almond milk, whatever, yeah. no, it was black coffee. But they were excellent yeah. at a food option and a drink option. And as I'm sitting there, like it hit me like a ton of bricks. You can't be excellent at everything. Now, you got to know your goals. You got to know your direction. But yeah. Rock Solid Foundation exists to love and serve every single child fighting pediatric cancer. Not every single child would I be able to replicate. But not just scale for the sake of scale, but to accomplish the mission. You couldn't do that with the room makeovers. You couldn't do it. But you can do it with the ready bags and we can do it with the play sets. And once we're able to accomplish those goals, I didn't yeah. turn my back on the older kids fighting cancer. Of course not. I've lost sleep over it, like even now, but you would, you would be surprised on the hate mail that yeah. I receive. But the fact of the matter is, as a leader of an organization or of a business, you have to make the unpopular decision sometimes. Yeah. And I was willing to do that. And ever since then, so we stopped doing the room makeovers, but one day, once we accomplish the play sets and the bags, guess where I'm going next? Back to the room makeovers if there's no one else there doing yeah. it. But if there is someone else doing it, I'm gonna help love and serve them to accomplish the mission. But since we made that decision, go ahead. I was gonna say, so you didn't completely kill the idea. You were not done with that idea. You just said, listen, right now in our organization, we can't do that um, because we need to be excellent at these other areas first. I wouldn't be here sitting talking to you if we didn't have the courage to cancel or to postpone yeah. the program. And ever since then, um, Rock Solid Foundation has quadrupled the amount of bags that we can love and serve families yeah. on the first day of their diagnosis. And then we've been able to, I mean, it's, it's been a, sky sh a skyrocket or a rocket ship because one food option, one drink option, ready bags and play sets. We can be excellent, we can staff, we can donate or we can fund, we can figure out, we can process, we can do everything around two things. Yeah. But I think that's the fact of marrying the mission. Our mission is every child. The bags allow us to do that. And so it was a hard, hard decision to yeah. make, but it was worth it. Yeah, I just think that's so good to recognize in your business, whatever that looks like, because it is easy to slip into the, let's do everything, this is going so good, let's do everything. Right. Um, but knowing your mission, knowing what your goals are as a business owner, and knowing what you're looking to do helps you determine what you need to focus on. Um, and so you put a few things in there um, about how to know if you're too attached, all right? If you're too, atta or too attached to your model um, of the way you're doing things and not to the mission and to your goals. And so um, you touched on a lot of these just now, but something that, that a lot of business owners can fall into this trap is they say it's always been done this way. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> that's death of any type of organization. Yeah, so if you find yourself saying that, that's a red flag, all right? 
just because it's always been done away, it doesn't mean it's a bad way, right? right. But reevaluate, maybe journal, write some things down, see if there's a better way to do it. You talk about numbers, don't lie, like looking at your numbers. It doesn't mean you base all your decisions on the numbers, but it means that look at your numbers, right? You talk about feedback, ask for feedback. I know something you do is you ask the families for feedback after a build, right? As a business owner, when you're asking for reviews, ask for them, but keep an open mind when you're looking at those to try to reevaluate right. and make sure that you're doing it the right way. You talked about having hard conversations. Yeah, those are always fun. <laughs> <laughs> hard conversations when you are changing things um, are essential. Like leaving things unsaid and trying to sweep things under the rug as a, as a CEO, a business leader, an owner of a company only leads to future disaster. And right. I, I don't know if that's a little too extreme, but no, that's just I, how No, I think, so even with having the hard conversations as the leader of your business or your organization, yeah. um, you receive feedback, you write it down, you look at the numbers, everything as, as the leader, all of this stuff is on your shoulders. Yeah. And as you collect the data, as you collect the feedback, I think when you make the hard decisions, you gotta own it. Yeah. And I think for me, it's like, I have decided. Because the thing is, like people can't really argue with I. They can't. I have decided this is what's best for the organization. And then that really stops the conversation. And then anything that comes after, they're like, well, this and this and this. I have this, Matt, I have decided that this is what's best for the organization. They can't argue with that. And yeah. it gives you something to stand on. It gives you something to stand by. And you're not just making these decisions just off of your gut, right? And I don't think reaction, reaction leads to regret, Yeah. right? So you can't, you gotta collect all the information and then respond. Yeah, so good. Having the hard conversations, conduct an annual evaluation, what's working, what's not. Uh, one thing that you said I wanted to touch on is don't wait for uh, perfection. Right. So like, I know I fall into this a lot. When I, when I have a plan and I wanna launch something new or maybe change a process, you know, and I'm working on it, there is no point where you're gonna have it all figured out. Right. And sometimes you just gotta take that first step and start moving in that direction. And as you go, you'll start figuring things out, what's working and what's not working, and just evaluating that all the time. Mm -hmm. So don't wait for perfection. Um, look for combustion points. Did you want to touch on that? Yeah, combustion points, and I call it also like landmine leading too. Yeah. Like combustion points, identify, discuss, and solve, right? So yeah. looking ahead, like looking into the future, what are the things that could combustion point that would blow up in your face? Um, and I think that, so I don't have a magical ball of, of any of that stuff, but if you're able to write out, like going back to the brain dump, what's the best possible scenario, the worst possible scenario in there, the worst possible scenarios are the combustion points. Well, how do you, how do you alleviate the combustion points? And I think it's just really identifying everything that you just talked about. It's that, it's that solid loop. It's not one thing, it's yes and. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And then you, you talked about a ripple effect. So once you get it right and you make those hard decisions and you do it, how there's just an explosion. So in the business world, it'd be an explosion of business. Right. Um, in your world, you'd mentioned it earlier, like the ready bags and the build just exploded. Yep. Then your reach explodes. Like yeah. it's that ripple effect again. Like when something hits, right, there's always impact with everybody loves. Oh, I want to have impact. Yeah if you really look at impact, right? Look at it like a meter or like with impact, there's destruction. Yeah. And then it does ripple. But the fact is after impact, 
there's always that little seed that's always a little bit of life and then from there you watch it because all the other stuff has been cleared out to where now that main hard decision created the impact birth new life and now watch it grow and watch it flourish it says you got to prune it i mean i can keep on and on and on yeah but i just i think that having those hard conversations if you choose not to have the hard conversations it's disrespectful to the people that you're called to love and serve that's so good um unfortunately we have to stop because we're over our time. I'm going to, uh, no, I thought it was great. We could keep going. Um, but I do encourage, uh, anybody that's listening to this and you, um, are taking notes and you're writing this down, which I hope you are check out Eric's book. One more plug. Um, what hope looks like again, I know, um, it's not necessarily a business book, but it is a business book. Eric runs rock solid, just like a fortune 500 company. So many great business principles in here. Um, also, if you are looking to start a nonprofit, it's pretty much a blueprint on how to do it. I right. mean, he puts in there everything from what he learned, the mistakes he made. Um, honestly, it's a great tool for anybody looking to start a nonprofit. Um, I'd just like to say thank you for coming on. Um, obviously, you had to do it as an obligation. <laughs> no, I appreciate you. <laughs> as, as I didn't a, have much choice. No, I appreciate <laughs> you having me. Um, anything you wanted to, to kind of wrap up with, you know, any like one quick power statement to the business world, um, no pressure. Oh, man, no, I, I truly <laughs> believe focus on the people, the money will always come. Yeah, that's so good. So thank you guys. So please subscribe uh, to the podcast, Winning with Beckwith. Um, comment. We love to hear your comments. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. Thanks, Eric, for joining us. Thank you.